go ahead and get into our uh, lesson for tonight. And then, of course, if you think of something that you failed to mention uh, during the lesson, uh, we'll take a moment. You can mention that at the end uh, before we close in a word of prayer. Now, you can open your Bibles to Genesis 25, um, but we'll uh, actually be uh, looking all throughout a lot of Genesis um, as we look at the life of Jacob. And, uh, of course, we uh, have been studying the book of Genesis and uh, have went through much of it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, uh, but trying to wrap it up. And so we thought that we would look at, the, at an overview of the life of Isaac, which we did two weeks ago, and then we said that we would do an overview of the life of Jacob and then the life of Joseph as a way of wrapping up the book of Genesis. And so tonight we'll be looking at the life of Jacob, and I'll be honest with you, uh, there is a lot in the life of Jacob, and we've skipped a lot of things that uh, you could just uh, settle in on for a while, but we're just kind of doing an overview, and I did challenge you last week to read the passages that we had marked and to see how you did on uh, guessing those points. And so I hope some of you did that and uh, read ahead. But we're going to take a little bit of time this evening and just look at the life of Jacob. We're not going to read uh, a passage of Scripture as a text. Uh, and on some of these, we'll just assume that you're familiar with the story because it's large passages of Scripture. And uh, we'd be here all night just trying to read all of the Scripture. So we're going to summarize, uh, but we will read some of the scriptures we go through. So we're going to pray, then we'll get into the lesson. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. And uh, Lord, as we uh, went through the prayer request, Lord, there are so many needs. And Lord, I thank you that we have a heavenly Father that we can bring the needs to. And uh, Lord, not just someone that will listen, but Lord, you're someone who can do something about the needs. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you, dear Lord, that uh, not only are we able to bring our needs to you, but Father, you have proven that you care about us. And Lord, you care about the things that's going on in our life, whether great or small. And Lord, that you're willing to help us. And Father, we thank you for it. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll bless now as we look into your word. I pray as we look at this overview of the life of Jacob, Lord, I know that a lot of what we'll be looking at is just historical, uh, but Father, I pray that there'll be an application that we can make, uh, Lord, that will apply to our lives and challenge us as Christians, uh, Lord, in our lives for you, Father, I pray. Be with the children's ministries downstairs. I pray you be with uh, Robbie as he's teaching the, the young people. I pray, dear Lord, that you will be with him, be a Pastor Kent as he's teaching the teenagers. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will bless as they uh, minister to those folks, and Lord, I I pray that they'll plant a seed, uh, Lord, that they'll disciple them, and Lord, that we'll see these young folks grow to be the Christians that you would have them to be. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness to us. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So Abraham... Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, uh, the fathers of the Jewish nation. Uh, oftentimes we hear those three names mentioned together, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we know that Abraham was called out. He was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, he was going to birth to be the father uh, of the Jewish nation. Uh, but Abraham uh, uh, went for many, many years and only had one son. Uh, doesn't seem like much of a start to a nation. Uh, and of course Isaac married Rebecca. 
Rebecca, uh, Rebecca was barren. And so we still were trying to start a nation and now we have another uh, barren wife. And many times uh, whenever you look at Abraham and Isaac, uh, and although we know the story, we miss the application uh, that many times God works uh, on a different timetable than we do. Uh, boy, you know what? If, uh, if God were to call me out and say, John, I want you to go to a foreign land and build a, a, a church. And I went over there for uh, 25, 30, 50 years and no church was built. I would feel like God had messed up. But then maybe my son would take over the ministry. But then he would live his life and still no church was built. We would really think God missed it. But then maybe his son would take over and we would realize that God's timetable was different than ours as we've seen the ministry grow and explode the way that God intended it to. And many times we get impatient with God. We know that there are things that God has called us to uh, and we're trying to faithfully serve, but we tend to get impatient with God. When God said, don't worry, I've got it all under control, we called Abraham. Uh, uh, then we see Isaac, the promised heir. But then Isaac uh, prayed for Rebekah, which we'll look at this a little bit more in a minute. And, and Rebekah bare twins, Jacob and Esau. Now Jacob uh, is the one that we know uh, as being chosen of God. Whenever you look at Jacob and Esau, there's immediate uh, question that'll come to our mind. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but I know for many people, there's an immediate question comes to your mind, and it is this: Why did God choose Jacob? There was Jacob and Esau. Uh, they were two sons. They were born to Isaac and Rebekah. They were both uh, of the seed of Abraham. Either of them could have carried on the Abrahamic promise, but the Bible tells us that God chose Jacob. Matter of fact, in Malachi chapter number 1, the Bible says, God says in Malachi chapter 1, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And many times whenever we read that in Malachi, we become confused and we're like, how is this possible that God could say, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated? And sometimes we tend to be sympathetic towards Esau. We're like, you know, Esau wasn't that bad of a guy. I mean, if you think about him, Esau's the kind of guy that would slap you on the back and invite you to go deer hunting with him. I mean, this was Esau. Come on, let's go. Let's go get in the deer stand together. This was Esau. He was an outgoing guy. You know, Esau wasn't a bad guy. Jacob, you had to keep your but buttons, po uh, your pockets buttoned if you was close to Jacob because uh, he'd pickpocket you. I mean, that rascal, he'd take your money. He was a, he was a, a, a slew, sly fella. And so you look at it and you're like, what, why did it happen this way? Why did God choose Jacob, not Esau? How is it that God could prefer one son above the other? Is this really what happened? It appears so. Whenever we look at this, if we're not careful, instead of looking at it thoroughly, somewhere in the depths of our heart, we may not be willing to voice it, we'll say God was unfair. God was unfair. Looky here. God chose Jacob, but he didn't choose Esau. God was unfair, but if you look at the story, you will find that there's a reason 
why God chose Jacob and not Esau. And now, like I say, we're trying to do an overview, and I'm about to get off on a rabbit trail before I get out of the introduction, so y'all pray for me. Both boys had their own problems. Both boys had problems. Jacob was a sly fella. He was somebody that would use trickery and deception to get what he wanted. He definitely was a, had his problems. Esau also had his problems. Uh, Esau... Uh, really wasn't interested in the Abrahamic covenant. And we, if we had time, we could dig into that. But Esau really wasn't interested in the Abrahamic covenant. Esau really wasn't interested in the things of God. Uh, Esau uh, uh, disobeyed his father's instruction and married uh, uh, heathen women. Uh, Esau, you know, was the kind of guy that uh, he had his problems as well. And so you say, well, how is this that God chose Jacob over Esau? Well, the difference that stood out between these two young men is that Jacob sought the Lord. You look into the Word of God and you will find out that although Jacob had his problems, yes, he did. Jacob was deceptive. Jacob was a sly swindler. But Jacob's desire, what he wanted more than anything, was the God of Abraham and Isaac. He was interested in the things of God. Esau, on the other hand, if we look at all the records that we have of Esau, we find one consistent thing about Esau, and that is that Esau was godless. Esau had no use for the things of God. Yes, Esau was interested in his dad's wealth. He was interested in the possessions and the material things, but Esau had no interest whatsoever in the things of God. And so whenever we come to Malachi and God says, Jacob have a love, but Esau have a hated, you need to understand this is centuries after Genesis 25. Centuries after. Jacob followed God, and Jacob birthed the nation of Israel, a nation that was founded on following God. Esau also birthed the nation, the nation of Edom, a godless nation that hated God and the people of God. In Malachi, God looked at the choices that Jacob and Esau had made and the results of their choices. And God said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. You see, God did choose Jacob but he chose Jacob because Jacob chose him. And this is the way that it always works. God's call goes out to everyone. And those that respond to his call, he responds to them. So we see here that Jacob and Esau were uh, completely different men, uh, but we see that God chose Jacob because Jacob, in spite of his faults, sought God. And let me just say this right here. All of us came to God full of faults. There has never been a person who came to God in a perfect condition. We all were full of faults. We all had sinfulness in our life. We all had shortcomings and failings, and that is why we came to God. Jacob, yes, Jacob had some problems, and boy, I'm telling you what, his sanctification was a rough one. I mean, God worked on Jacob, but Jacob responded to God 
and God was able to use Jacob because he sought the Lord. The story of Jacob's life is spread out through the book of Genesis from chapter 25 to his burial, which is recorded in the very last chapter of Genesis. And there's so much that we could consider in regard to Jacob's life. There's no way that we can cover it all in one lesson. But I believe that there are some things we can point out about this great patriarch that can be a blessing and a help to us. When we first meet Jacob in Genesis 25, verse number 19, down through verse number 24... Uh, where we see Jacob's delivery. It says, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord it was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Some things that we see here about the birth of Jacob. First of all, that we see, as we mentioned earlier, his mother was barren. We see that because of her barrenness, Jacob prayed. Jacob sought the Lord, or excuse me, Isaac sought the Lord concerning the barrenness of Rebekah. Isaac went to the Lord and he prayed for his wife and we see that God blessed. Not only did they have one son, but they had two sons. God blessed them with twins. At his birth, Jacob was given a title that would stick with him the majority of his life. And so I've titled this Jacob's Designation. Jacob's Designation. There in verse 25 and 26 we see, uh, or chapter 25, verse 25 and 26, we see that when Jacob was born, Esau came out first. They were twins. Esau was delivered first. And then when Jacob was delivered, he took hold of his brother's heel. And so they named him Jacob. The name Jacob means supplanter. The word supplanter means to take hold of the heel or to trip up, to trip up. So Jacob, they gave him the name Jacob, supplanter, to trip up. Whether or not this name was prophetic at that time, we do not know. But it definitely proved to be true of Jacob's character. We see in uh, Genesis 27, if you just turn over a page there to Genesis 27 and verse number 36, you will see what I, uh, Esau said about his brother. In Genesis 27 and verse number 36, Esau said concerning Jacob, and he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me. In other words, he hath tripped me up these two times. He took away my birthright 
and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. We see here that Esau said, you gave him the right name. He has supplanted me twice. He has deceived me. He's tripped me up. You gave him the right name. Uh, Jacob and Esau differed in many ways, including uh, uh, their looks. The, the Bible uh, teaches us that uh, uh, Esau was red, uh, a hairy fellow, a, a mountain man type is the picture that comes to mind, while Jacob was a, was a smooth fellow. He was a, a smooth skin fella and uh, we see that there was a lot of different things uh, their interest was different uh, their behavior was different but I want to draw your attention to Jacob's dwelling Jacob's dwelling where they stayed was different uh, and there's a there's something important to note about this in verse number 27 it says and the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter, and that, that you know, clicks with a lot of us. We're like, oh, wow, he was an outdoorsman, he was a hunter, so we're like automatic connection there uh, with Esau. Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. We see here that Jacob dwelt in the tents. Now, we see first that there's a difference in their personality. The difference in their personality, Esau liked being outdoors, Jacob liked being indoors. Now this really has no bearing on their spirituality at all. But there's a benefit that Jacob gained by dwelling in tents that sometimes we overlook. By dwelling in the tents, Jacob had placed himself under the influence of his father Isaac, but also under the influence of his grandfather Abraham. You see, Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 years old. Jacob was born when Isaac was 60 years old. Abraham died at 175 years. That means that Abraham was alive for 15 years of Jacob's life. Now, Abraham being an old man, Abraham would have been staying in the tent. And if you had lived the life that Abraham lived, and anybody was to sit down beside you, you would avail their ear and begin telling them about everywhere you had been and everything you had seen and everything you had experienced. I know the Bible doesn't say this clearly, and I know to some point I'm assuming but I believe that part of the difference in Jacob and Esau is that Jacob was influenced by his father and his grandfather. He was there, he listened, he heard, and somehow in the depths of Jacob's heart, although unconverted, although behaving like a sinner, uh, somewhere in the depths of his heart was born an interest in the things of God and a love for the God of his father and his grandfather. And as we'll see just in a little bit, it came through and Jacob responded to his encounter with God because of the influence of those over him. Boy, I tell you what, we can never underestimate the importance of the influence that we can have on the younger generations in letting them see the love that we have for God. Jacob dwelt in tents, and by dwelling in the tents, I believe there was born in him an interest and a love for the things of God. And the reason I believe that is you will find Jacob's desire. 
Jacob had something that he desired that Esau apparently had no interest in. What is it that Jacob desired? Jacob, more than anything, longed to obtain the blessing of God and inherit the Abrahamic covenant. Jacob wanted that Abrahamic covenant with all of his heart. He wanted to be the next in line. You know, Isaac, his father, really wasn't Abraham's firstborn and he inherited it. Maybe there's some way Jacob could get it. Jacob knew about the Abrahamic covenant and he wanted it. Esau had no interest in it. He was not interested in the Abrahamic covenant. We could dig into this, but just for reference, uh, whenever... Whenever Jacob got his birthright for a bowl of pottage, the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. He was not interested in this Abrahamic covenant. Yes, he wanted material things, but he wasn't interested in carrying on this line of God. Uh, not only did he despise his birthright, but as we mentioned a little bit ago, he carelessly chose uh, heathen wives against the counsel of his mother and father, knowing that this would uh, mess up uh, his inheritance, but he didn't care. He wasn't interested in the Abrahamic covenant. Jacob longed to have that Abrahamic covenant. But the problem is, Jacob did something you and I often do. He tried to obtain it through human means. He tried to get it on his own. He wanted God's blessing, but he tried to get it through his own ability. Uh, we see a couple of ways that Jacob tried to do this. First, through buying the birthright. He thought, hey, I can trade Esau out of his birthright with a bowl of pottage. I can obtain it for myself. I can get this. Uh, then later, uh, through deceit, through deceit, and that's your fifth uh, point there, Jacob's deceit in uh, Genesis 27, uh, 1 down through verse number 40 records the story of Jacob's deceit. It's a story we're familiar with. Uh, Isaac told uh, Esau, he said, go to the field. Get me a deer, cook him up the way I like him, bring it on in, I'll eat the deer, I'll be in a really good mood after I eat some of that deer, and I'll bless you. Esau says, no problem, I'll go get it. Off he goes. Rebecca, here's the plan, calls Jacob in, says, I know how to fix this. We're going to fix a goat the same way. We're going to cover you with skins. We're going to send you in. Your dad is blind. He won't know who you are. You will get Esau's blessing. Now, God had told Rebekah when she was carrying the boys that Jacob was going to be the one that carried the line. So we already knew this is how it was going to work out. And we could get into a lot there, but we're, we're moving on. But we see here that they took it in their own hands. Jacob pretended to be Esau. He deceived his father Isaac. He stole his brother's blessing. Now, you know what happened. Because of his deceitful act, Esau was interested in the material things. He was unable to get them. He became enraged. He threatened to take Jacob's life. He said, as soon as we bury Dad, we're going to bury you. Because Jacob's life was now in danger, he fled. His mother said, hey, you need to go and find a wife and get away from your brother. She talked to uh, Isaac and convinced Isaac they needed to send him away to find a wife. And so Jacob left uh, under the guise of going to find a wife, but genuinely 
running for his life. In the end of chapter 27 through the beginning of chapter 28, we find the account of Jacob's departure. Jacob's departure. Running for his life, threatened by Esau because of his deception, Jacob is on the run. And now, on his journey, we find that something happened. Jacob encountered God. Jacob had heard of God. He knew of God. He wanted the blessings of God, but he was trying to get it all the wrong way. He was going about it all wrong, trying to get the blessings of God. Now because of his poor decisions, his life is in danger. He's running for his life, and God steps in his path. You know what? Doesn't this sound like a lot of human beings? I mean, it sounds like the way a lot of folks go. They hear about God, they're interested in God, they want the blessing of God, but they go all about getting these things all the wrong way, and then they find themselves in terrible shape because of their poor decisions, and then God steps in and opens arms and says, Come unto me. And so we see here in Genesis 28 that God spoke to Jacob. Jacob alone running for his life, unsure of the future, tired from his journey, lays down and put his head on a rock for a pillow. I'm telling you, when you can use a rock for a pillow, you're exhausted. <laughs> Whenever a, a rock works for a pillow, you are wore out. He lays down, puts his head on a rock, and God appears. In verse number seven, we, or your seventh point, we see Jacob's dream. In Jacob's dream, there was a ladder. It extended from heaven to earth, and angels were ascending and descending on the ladder. And in this dream, there's a revelation, a revelation that there is a God who comes to us. There is a God who is willing to save us. There is a God who promises to bless us if we will trust Him. The result of Jacob seeing this dream, first of all, we see a confession. Jacob says, God is in this place. He wakes up from the dream and says, I have encountered God. God is in this place. God has met with me. The God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, I have met him tonight. Not only did he confess that he had met with God, but we see that Jacob made a commitment. He committed to give 10% of everything he possessed to God. Jacob said, everything I've got, I'm going to give 10% of it to God. This is a change. You know what? Anytime someone is born again, there is a change that you're going to notice in their life. And this is a change. Because up to this point in Jacob's life, Jacob was all about taking. That's who Jacob was. Getting everything he could get. Gaining everything he could gain. It was all about give it to Jacob. But now we see that after he met with God, he said 10% of everything I have, I'm going to give back to God. He made a commitment to give. Something had changed. This reminds me of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man that was all about getting, getting, getting. He met with Jesus and he said, Lord, uh, I'm going to give it all back. Everything. Uh, giving it back. God makes a difference in people. We see uh, that there was a confession that he had met with God. A commitment to give back uh, to God. 
After meeting with God, Jacob continues his journey. He continues on his way. And in chapter 29, we're, inter we're introduced to, to Jacob's delight. Boy, Jacob meets someone that changes the rest of his life. Jacob meets Laban's daughter, Rachel. He falls in love with Rachel. And you know what? This is interesting. All the way until his dying day, even after Rachel has passed, Jacob openly confesses his love for Rachel. He falls in love with her and his infatuation with Rachel never goes away. Never, ever goes away. And I'm telling you what, that is an example. Now I know that there were some things in Jacob's home. There were multiple wives and I know there were some things that should not have happened. But there's an example in the infatuation he had with Rachel and that even after she had become aged, even after she had passed, Jacob would still sing the praises of Rachel who he fell in love with. And boy, I'm telling you what, that's something that we ought to strive towards. But I appreciate Brother Lewis and Miss Jane. Miss Jane was all laid up in her recliner, had fallen and broken her hip, and so I go over to visit with Miss Jane, and here sits Lewis on the couch beside her just holding her hand, and they're just visiting and talking, and he's just holding her hand. I get back home and told Melissa, I said, man, I love Lewis and Jane. they just sitting over there holding hands and just, just the sweetest little couple. I'm telling you, that's where I want to be. I just, you know what, as long as I'm able to reach and hold your hand, I want to hold your hand. And that's the way that it ought to be. And we see here that Jacob had, uh, he had a delight, a beautiful Rachel. But there was a problem. After seven years of laboring for the hand of Rachel, we see that Jacob was given some of his own medicine. Remember I said that Jacob's sanctification process was a rough one. You know, the Bible says we reap what we sow. Jacob gets given some of his own medicine here. Uh, we see Jacob the deceiver being deceived. Sometimes the best way, though, to learn how our actions affect others is when the very thing that we've did to someone else is done to us. And then all of a sudden we see it clearer than ever before. In the second half of Genesis 29, we read of Jacob's deception. At the wedding ceremony, Jacob was given Leah instead of Rachel. Jacob had sown deception. Now he's reaping deception. And now many questions could be asked about how is it possible uh, that, that he would be given Leah and not understand that he had Leah instead of Rachel. But we are not familiar with the customs of the day, but they definitely were different than our customs. And most likely Leah was heavily veiled. Uh, most likely uh, uh, there had been a degree of celebrating and partying uh, at the ceremony. Jacob was tired, uh, maybe even intoxicated. Uh, he goes into the tent. Uh, here is Leah heavily veiled. They don't have electricity, uh, no lights. Uh, uh, Leah apparently was in on the scheme, so she didn't tell anybody that she was really Leah, and uh, Jacob was fooled. He woke up in the morning, and to his dismay, uh, he had married Leah, not Rachel, the girl that he loved. He brings this, of course, to Laban, and Laban uh, uh, says, well, you know, according to our, our country, our, our, our uh, traditions, we honor the firstborn. Boy, can you imagine what a slap in the face that was for Jacob? The one that had stole his brother's blessing, bargained his brother's birthright, 
And now Laban says, oh, you got Leah because we honor the firstborn. You see, still reaping what he sows, reaping what he sows. Jacob eventually married four women, Leah, Rachel, and their maids, Bila and Zilpah. He, worked, uh, he, he spent a week with Leah, was given Rachel. He worked seven more years uh, to pay for uh, Leah, who he didn't even want. Boy, I'm telling you what, payback going on like crazy here. Uh, uh, but we see that uh, uh, he eventually was given their maids, Bila and Zilpah. And from these four women, Jacob was given 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel in addition to the two sons of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. More on that next week. Uh, but in Genesis 29 and 30, we find a list of the 12 sons of Jacob. And so uh, number 10 there, Jacob's descendants. We'll just take a couple of moments here. We'll not read the passage, but we'll just go through the names of these young men and who they were born to. You're welcome to write it on the side there if you want. First son was Reuben, uh, born to him of Leah. Second son was Simeon, born to him of Leah. Third son was Levi, born to him of Leah. And boy, I'm telling you what, there is so much we could be teaching on in each of these, but we're just skimming over this. Uh, but so much could be covered here about Leah and how Leah looked to God uh, as a result of being rejected by Jacob and how God blessed Leah. Uh, Judah was born to Leah. Then we see that Rachel became jealous that Leah was having children and she wasn't, so she gave Jacob her maid Bella, according to the traditions of the land. Uh, if her maid bore a son to her husband, then legally that son would have been Rachel's, and so she thought this is a way she could get even with her sister. Uh, so Dan was born of Bilhah, Rachel's maid, and then Naphtali was also born of Bilhah. Then we see that Leah called on to what was going on and said, ah, two can play this game. So she gives Zilpah her maid to Jacob and Gad was born of Zilpah and Asher was born of Zilpah. Then Issachar was born of Leah. Zebulun was born of Leah. And then we see that the Lord opened Rachel's womb and Rachel bore Joseph and Benjamin. And so that is the 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob continued to serve with Laban for a total of 20 years. Seven years for Rachel, seven years for Leah. Six years he continued to serve in exchange for livestock. The Bible says that ten times Laban changed his wages. Jacob continued to serve, but now it's time to leave. Jacob gathers all together and he begins his journey back home. And along the way, we read of Jacob's divine encounter. That's number 11 on your notes, Jacob's divine encounter. Boy, there's many things that we could cover uh, leading up to this journey home. But on the way home, in Genesis chapter number 32, turn over to Genesis 32 with me. We'll read this passage. In Genesis 32 and in verse number 22, Jacob had another encounter with God. In Genesis 32 and verse number 22, And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the fort Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. 
Remember the last time somebody asked him what his name was, he lied about it. He said, I'm Esau. This time he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man and hath prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after thy, my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. We see here at Jacob's divine encounter, he once again encountered God, and there he wrestled with God. And as a result of this encounter, his name was changed from Jacob the deceiver to Israel, a prince with God. A change had taken place. When Jacob left as a fugitive running for his life, he was Jacob the deceiver. He met with God in a dream. And from that moment on, Jacob's life was different. Was Jacob perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. He was far from it. But God was working in Jacob's life. Little by little, lesson after lesson, Jacob was learning. He was learning the harm that he did to others through his deceptive ways. He was learning uh, the, the lessons of working for someone like Laban. He was realizing that he wasn't everything he thought he was. And he had trouble in his home and had to look to God to help him with his home. And on and on and on, Jacob goes through a course of sanctification now on his way back home, he meets with God again. Is Jacob perfect now? No, he's still not perfect. But a lot has changed in Jacob's life. No longer will he be known as Jacob the deceiver. But now he'll be known as Israel, a prince with God. God changed his name. There's so much more we could look at in the life of Jacob. But we're going to wrap up this evening by jumping ahead to Genesis chapter number 49, where we see Jacob's death. Jacob's death. Turn to Genesis chapter number 49, the end of the chapter, verse number 28. In Genesis 49 and verse number 28, Jacob has just finished uh, blessing his children, which is interesting that at the end of Jacob's life, Jacob has now been, got close enough to God that he is able to speak prophetically concerning his children. This is a completely different Jacob than we met at the beginning of this lesson. Now he's able to speak prophetically concerning his children. And in verse number 28, he's just finished that, and it says, All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is it, that their father spake unto them and blessed them, every one. According to his blessing, he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which a 
excuse me, which Abraham bought uh, with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession uh, of a burying place. We remember this place. Remember looking at this place. He says, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. I want you to take me back to the burying place that my that uh, my grandfather bought. There they buried Abraham and Sarah's wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein from the children of Heth. When Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. We see here in Jacob's death that he died in Egypt. But if you look in chapter 50, you'll see that his sons honored his request uh, and he was buried in Machpelah. Jacob spent the last 17 years of his life in Egypt. But something I want to point out about Jacob is at that point in his life, Jacob had come to know God. And although he spent 17 years of his life in Egypt, uh, his heart was always in Canaan. And whenever he came to the end of his life, he said, I don't want to be buried here among the heathen. I want you to take me back to Canaan. I want to be buried with my fathers. And Joseph honored Jacob and returned him uh, to his burying place. Sometimes we ask the question, why did God send Jacob and his sons into Egypt? God sent the famine. And the famine caused Jacob and his sons and their families, the Bible says 70 people, to come into Egypt. Why, why did God orchestrate things that way? I believe that God orchestrated things that way so that Israel would develop into a unique nation. You see, the Egyptians wouldn't intermarry with them. They were able to be secluded, protected. They would grow into a tremendous nation, and, and there's many different uh, opinions on how big it was, but very likely about 3 million people left Egypt whenever they left 400 years later. A big, strong, powerful nation. God sent them to Egypt so that he could grow them into the nation that he promised Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. All along, we've been wondering, God, what are you doing? But all along, God knew exactly what he was doing and built a nation, the nation of Israel, out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know that this was a quick overview, and definitely there is so much that we could look at, so many applications we could make in the life of Jacob, and maybe at some point the Lord will lead us to come back and just do an in-depth study of the life of Jacob. But a good overview and a challenge for us that we will be people. Although we're not perfect, we will continue to yield to the instruction of God, will continue to grow in sanctification and every day will be closer to God. And you know what? The way you start is important, but the most important thing is that you finish well. And boy, I'm telling you what, if we just continue and continue, Jacob finished well. Let it be our prayer that we also finish well. Now next we're going to be looking at Joseph and... Um, Putting Joseph in one lesson is going to be nine to impossible. So I'm probably just going to pick something about Joseph and talk about it. But uh, uh, John Phillips is a commentator I enjoy reading after, and I have a set of books. It's uh, People of the Old Testament by John Phillips, and uh, he covers most of the people in the Old Testament, and most of them is just a, a short chapter, maybe a couple of pages at most that he'll write about someone. I think Jacob was a couple of pages. Uh, he's got like seven chapters on Joseph. I mean, <laughs> 
there's a lot about Joseph. Uh, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we'll be looking at the life of Joseph next. And boy, I'll tell you what, there's a lot to be seen there. All righty, as we close up, uh, wonderful.